0: So friends, Happy Feast Day to all of you uh, as we celebrate our patronal feast this weekend. Uh, I want to first acknowledge our uh, First Communicants, our three children receiving First communion, (coughs) and welcome uh, the family and friends uh, who are with us today for this special occasion. uh, It's a great gift to receive uh, your First Holy Communion on this Feast of uh, Corpus Christi. So we look forward to that here in a little bit uh, later. I also invite you in the bulletin I uh, typed up just a little history of this feast, which is our uh, patronal feast, um, which you might find interesting, and uh, a couple pictures of a seminarian from our parish who graduated from UT a few years ago. uh, He's studying in Rome, and he got to go to Orvieto uh, uh, last year on the Feast of Corpus Christi, which is uh, where the miracle happened uh, in the 13th century. That was one of the reasons that this feast was initially called and was the first place that it was celebrated in 1264 in Orvieto, Italy. So you can see a few pictures of Andrew Andrew there, uh, last Corpus Christi. So friends, one of my favorite spiritual writers is uh, Cardinal uh, Raniero Contala Mesa. He's a uh, Italian Franciscan priest and cardinal uh, who has, has an interesting job on the side which is he's the papal preacher. He's been the preacher of the papal household since 1980, which means whenever the popes go on retreats or conferences, he's the one that gives all of the talks to them personally and gives the homos. It. So it's a tough gig, I would think. Uh, he's, he's now had the last three popes, so he did this for John Paul II, for Benedict, and he's still the papal preacher uh, for Pope Francis. He has a number of little books that I love, and I usually take on retreats with me, and his little book on the Eucharist, um, I just find to be a really cool uh, treatment of the Eucharist, and I wanted to share some of his insights uh, on our feast today. So in this book, he breaks down, uh, he uh, sort of reflects on the Eucharist under these four words, consecration, communion, contemplation, and imitation, and I'm kind of weird because it really annoys me that that fourth word is not a C, okay, because uh, I like alliteration and that drives me nuts. So I'm going to change it a little bit. So what I want to suggest in light of his insights today is that in the gift of the Eucharist, we learn to consecrate ourselves to Christ, to commune with Christ, to contemplate the mystery of the Eucharist, and to copy his life. Right? I'm using copy instead of imitation because I love the neatness of four C's. Okay, So I just wanted to share a couple reflections on each. So consecration. And for each of these, he has a scripture passage that we should reflect on. So for consecration, it's this one. Jesus at the Last Supper. Take this, all of you. This is my body given up for you. And Contala Mesa suggests that we are too passive during the consecration moment at Mass. So the consecration is an extraordinarily important moment in the Mass, right? When we believe, as the words of institution from the Last Supper are said by the priest, that the bread and wine changes into the body and blood of Jesus, right? And a ton of things have surrounded that moment, that miracle in the Mass, right? Over the course of the Church's history, bells and candles and incense, Right, to highlight the significance of the consecration. Right? And, and it tends to lead to worship and adoration of that moment. But Pantala Mesa says we shouldn't be all passive in that moment. Right? We should be active, meaning we should be putting ourselves spiritually on the altar with Jesus. And that we should be visualizing as the, as the host is held up, That we should be saying with Jesus, take this, all of you. This is my body given up for you. We should be visualizing all the people that we're called to lay our life down for, our families, right? All of the groups that have been entrusted to our care, the people we struggle to love the most. We should be saying that spiritually to them at that moment. Take this, all of you. This is my body given up for you. That we should be applying that moment of consecration to consecrating ourselves, to giving ourselves fully to another. We shouldn't be purely passive, as if what's happening on the altar is disconnected from the way in which I'm supposed to consecrate my life in service to others. So I invite you today during the consecration to to put yourself on the altar with Jesus and to, to say with him, take this. All of you, to my family, take this. All of you, me, to this parish and to the people that I'm called to love, take this. All of you, this is my body which is supposed to be given up for you. That we personalize and spiritualize that moment. The miracle is not meant to just happen on the altar. The transformation is meant to happen in our lives. Second C, Communion. Here he wants us to reflect on uh, a passage that we actually heard just in our gospel a few minutes ago. That whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. That receiving communion brings us a deeper union, an abiding, lasting, persistent union with Christ. He shares that in the early church, they had this really cool way of seeing the difference between how our body assimilates and absorbs regular food versus how the body absorbs and assimilates the Eucharistic meal. Right? So the early church often said, okay, in, with physical food, um, you, it comes into your body, you absorb and assimilate it into your bloodstream and your digestive process, and it becomes a part of you. But in the Eucharist, they said, it's the opposite. You absorb and assimilate it, but you become like it. In regular food, it becomes like us. And if you have a bad meal, something doesn't sit well, you know exactly what that means. I had some food at the Blessed Sacrament Festival last night that didn't seem to agree with me very well. Right? It becomes a part of you. But in the Eucharist, I call this reverse spiritual digestion. Reverse spiritual assimilation. That the Eucharist, unlike regular food, when it comes in, it transforms us into the reality that we've received. And so receiving Holy Communion brings about communion with Christ. By extension, that brings about communion with his body, the members of the church. But also, it brings about union with the entire human family. As Jesus came not just to serve those who were in his fold but to seek out those outside of his fold, right? And so receiving communion brings us communion with Christ, communion with his body, and communion with the entire human family created in his image. Here he wants us to reflect on those last words of the institution narrative at the Last Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. It's really interesting. This was a real insight for me from Cantola Mesa. He says it's really important that there's something in between communion and action. right? Because we could take the communion for granted. <clears throat> Unless we're constantly pondering and reflecting on the significance of what it is that we're communing with, We will often miss the part about the action. That contemplation and Mary, right, in the infancy narratives, we're told as she's experiencing these incredible, uh, this incredible closeness to Christ. Christ was carried in her womb and bore by her, right? This incredible communion with Christ. But it says that she pondered these things in her heart. It's as if Mary had to process. And reflect and and contemplate the mysteries in order for her to then lead to imitation. And so spending time recalling, this is what Moses is doing for the Israelites in our first reading today. He's telling them, remember all these things that God did for you. Don't forget about them. Don't make communion just an empty ritual. It's supposed to be ritualized so that we do it all the time. That we receive communion all the time because within that context, we hear about what God has done for us, the gift of the Eucharist that he's given us, how it flows from his gift of love on the cross in which he died for us, right? We're supposed to be recalling and pondering and contemplating the significance of the communion. It's under this section that uh, Cantalamesa brings up uh, the practice of Eucharistic adoration, just sitting with the Lord, right? And you may know this is a, a big, uh, popular trend among young people in the church. A lot of our college students, right, enjoy Eucharistic adoration. And Cantola Mesa says all Eucharistic adoration is is sitting in that in between spot between communion and imitation. It's just sitting with the Lord. It's pondering the gift of the Eucharist. It's reflecting with him. It's contemplating him. It can never replace communion. right? It can never substitute for action. But it's just contemplating with Jesus the mystery of the Eucharist so that it leads to a greater processing and a deeper ability to live it out in our ordinary lives. Finally, uh, the fourth is in my lingo, copying, imitation of Christ. That obviously, and he wants us to reflect here on his words at the Last Supper after he's washed the feet of the disciples. Right, As I have done for you and shown you an example, now you are called to do for others. Obviously, the Eucharist is not meant to be kept to ourselves. It's not meant to be sort of uh, hidden within us. Right, It's meant to overflow in a life that's lived in generosity of spirit to others. That the very things that the Eucharist embodies, it's small, right, it's humble, it's vulnerable, it's open to being received by people like us that probably don't deserve it, right? Even people that, you know, it's all of those embodiments of the Eucharist we're called to live out, right, in our spiritual lives. We're called to become humble and simple and unassuming and vulnerable and willing to be uh, unnoticed and overlooked and love people that we think maybe don't always deserve uh, our love, right? All of these things that the Eucharist in the small host that he comes to us in embodies, we're called to live in loving those who are little and least, right? Loving the poor, loving the vulnerable, loving the voiceless, right? That... That it's the Eucharist is not meant just for our communion, right? It's meant to be lived in a life of copying and imitating the one who was the servant uh, of all. So friends, I, I share those four with you. Consecration, communion, contemplation, and copying Christ, right? As maybe a way of, of sort of seeing this piece, because I think it's interesting, like, we can, I don't, we can take this gift for granted. Like sometimes I think we see it as like a magic pill. You know, like medicine. Like the, doc, the pharmacist, the doctor gives you medicine. And you think if you take the medicine, you don't have to do anything else. And this will cure you. Now sometimes that might be true. But you might also have to change some things about your lifestyle. Right? It might not be a miracle cure. Right? Sometimes I think we just go through the motions receiving Holy Communion and Conta insight is maybe we're not consecrating enough. Maybe we're not as active in the Mass laying down our life with Jesus on the altar for the people who are to die. Maybe we're not contemplating the mystery of the Eucharist enough and reflecting and pondering in our hearts like Mary did uh, the birth of Jesus. And so, it's just not sinking in. We're not processing it enough. Because, I don't know about you, but I've been receiving communion now for, uh, I don't know, 31 years or something. And sometimes it's routine, right? The communion becomes routine. And Contal insight is maybe we need to focus, commit to consecrating. Maybe we need to refocus on contemplating to make the bridge between communion. A smaller bridge, to see more progress in the way in which we live our lives, to live Eucharistic lives, maybe we need to focus on different aspects than just receiving Holy Communion because we might take that for granted and think it's a magic pill just like we might uh, some physical form uh, of medicine. So I invite us all to recommit uh, to our love of the Eucharist. We have three young people who receive our Lord, for the first time today, in just a little bit. And let's receive uh, Jesus in the Eucharist today like it's our own first time um, and, and continue to grow in these four areas, right? That we might consecrate ourselves more completely to the life that the Eucharist calls us to, that we might commune with Christ more deeply, that we might contemplate and ponder and reflect upon the mystery of this gift. Ultimately, also, that we might live our life copying and in imitation.